Have you tried CTC math yet with your child? Here's a testimonial from another happy homeschool mom. Amber said, I'm absolutely thrilled with CTC math. It's a rare find that I've used with my children for more than six years now. I have six children using CTC math and each child has found it easy to navigate and very applicable. I love seeing them enjoy this math program and grow in their mathematical journey. Thank you so much for all that you're doing and for providing quality math lessons for my children. So friends, if you're looking for a great online math program, visit ctcmath.com. That's ctcmath.com. This podcast is a production of the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. Do you want a more intimate walk with God? Are you tired of trying to hear God and hearing only silence? Each week, your host, Felice Skirwitz, is prepared to inspire you and equip you on your journey towards deepening your relationship with God. Listen, hear, and follow the Lord's will in your life, and you will be blessed. friends and welcome. Today I have a special episode for you. It's probably going to go a little bit longer than some of my others, but I was really compelled by this topic and the topic is the mercy seat. We know that God is merciful and has mercy that endures forever, but what about God's mercy seat and what can we learn and apply to our lives? I want to thank our sponsors, CTC Math and the Innovative Math Curriculum for K-12. through You can check out more information at CTC Math. And I'd like to get um, more ratings and rankings on social media as well as on your podcast app. So if you haven't shared the show or liked it or placed a comment in it, I would really appreciate if you would do that. You can do it on any podcast app on your phone. Um, So I would really appreciate that or share it with a friend. You can easily share the links from our website and that is uh, the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network or you can go directly to this podcast at a few minutes with God podcast.com where you will also find today's show notes, Mercy Seat episode 256. Well, I love the idea of a mercy seat, but what do you picture in your mind when you think about that? I have so many different things that come to my mind. And if you want, you can stop this podcast and just pray about it and think about it. But in scripture, we read, that the mercy seat was the cover or lid of the Ark of the Covenant. This is discussed in Exodus, and I'm sure you know the story, but just to give you an overview, an overarching uh, theme, if you will, we know that Joseph was sold into slavery, um, and he ended up in Egypt. Joseph was the son of Jacob, and his mother was Rachel, who was the beloved wife of Jacob. And Joseph um, was really loved by his father, and his other brothers were very jealous. And so they ended up um, wanting to kill him, and instead they sold him into slavery. So this led to a tremendous journey of the people of Israel. Joseph 
was favored by the Pharaoh in Egypt because God protected him after some uh, twists and turns there. But after generations, both the Pharaoh and Joseph died. The next Pharaoh wasn't as kind, especially as the Lord blessed the people. In fact, later Joseph and his brothers had a reconciliation and there was a famine. So uh, those tribes actually moved to Egypt where they were, were well taken care of by the previous Pharaoh. Well, this new Pharaoh did not like that these people were blessed, and so he put them into slavery, and they cried out to the Lord in prayer. And it took many years later for their deliverance, and they were delivered by Moses. The Lord gave Moses direction for the people, but they were so entrenched in sin. After all the years of living in Egypt and being brought up as slaves, they dressed, ate, and acted like Egyptians, even to the point of worshiping false gods. Well, Moses directed and brought the people to the promised land, a land that we are told was flowing with milk and honey. However, this people were so stubborn, and even while Moses was up on the mountain speaking to the Lord, the people were making graven images to worship. These people were in need of direction and mercy. Therefore, it was the Lord himself through Moses that directed them. He couldn't leave it to anyone else. He made a covenant with Abraham. This was a promise to his family, his descendants. This promise was unbreakable. It was a bond. The words received by Moses from the Lord were inscribed on stone tablets that were also put in the chest. This was, in essence, a portable sanctuary used by the Israelites because they were constantly moving, and they were heading toward the promised land, but really wandering in the desert. You know, as I'm reading this, what calls comes to my mind is that the Lord directed Moses, and the Lord sent his only begotten son to intercede for us that God couldn't leave it to anybody else. That's just such a mind-blowing thing. The Lord gave specific instructions on how to fabricate the Ark of the Covenant, and we can read more about it in Exodus 25, but I'm going to read you just a portion of it, 17 through 22. Then you shall make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two cubits and a half shall be its length, and a cubit and a half its width. You shall make two cherubim of gold. You shall make them of hammered work at the two ends of the mercy seat. Make one cherub at one end and one cherub at the other of one piece with the mercy seat. You shall make the cherub at its two ends. The cherub shall spread out their wings above, overshadowing the mercy seat with their wings. They shall face one to the other. The faces of the cherub shall be turned toward the mercy seat. You shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark, and in the ark you shall put the covenant that I give you. There I will meet with you, and from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim that are on the ark of the covenant, I will deliver to you all my commands for the Israelites. That's beautiful. What does it mean when the Lord says, There I will meet with you from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherub, cherubim that are on the Ark of the Covenant, I will deliver to you all my commands for the Israelites. 
So how did the Lord did this? He actually did it in a visible way. These people were so lost that they had to be able to see this visible sign. It was a cloud, a symbol of God's divine presence, which the people saw. It was a cloud during day, and we read, a column of fire at night. It was a place of worship, and the ark contained many precious things. In Hebrews 9, 3-5, we read, Behind the second curtain was a tent called the Holy of Holies. In it stood the golden altar of incense and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid on all sides with gold, in which there was a golden urn holding the manna, and Aaron's rod that budded, and the tablets of the covenant above it that were cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. Of these things we cannot speak now in detail. Again, amazing. In the Ark of the Covenant, the chest or container were the two stone tablets inscribed with the Word of God. We know them as the Ten Commandments. There was also the law, the way the people were to govern, worship, and use other useful information. When we read the passages in Scripture, they are detailed and in ways that, you know, help the people at the time. It helped them to stay healthy and to avoid disease. For us, it's a little bit hard to read all of those details, but you should do that. Um, I've gone through it recently, and it's just so, um, you know, eye-opening that the Lord didn't leave anything to chance. He gave them such a detailed account. These were, you know, um, important for the people because they had lived a life of slavery and really didn't know how to live a life that was free. There were other objects in the, you know, in the ark we read, a golden pot of manna. This was the food provided to the Israelites in the desert. And then we also read about Aaron's rod. You can read more about that in Numbers 17, 1 through 13. These objects were sacred. Later, it would be placed in the temple of Jerusalem, where it was placed in an inner room, again called the Holy of Holies. And the ark was made and inlaid with gold. Only the chief priests could go in and you know, offer prayers, and each one of them was on a rotation basis. We read about this in the New Testament when we read the account of Elizabeth's husband, Zechariah, who um, were parents to John the Baptist, and he went into the Holy of Holies, as was his turn and his rotation to do that, to offer sin offerings for the people, and he had a vision from God where he was told about the coming of his son, and he had difficulty believing that. And so he was struck mute because God is a God of mercy, but he is also a God of righteousness. And he allows things to happen based upon how we act and how we react to these things. So um, there, the ark was uh, made with inlaid gold. And we learn that, you know, and know that gold was precious then as it is now. And gold was considered the most precious of value. So this too called to mind that God is precious above all else. He is precious above any false gods. And he, um, you know, came so that he could make himself known to them. So what is this mercy seat and how does this apply to us? We 
know it's the gold lid or lid of the um, cover or lid of the Ark of the Covenant, and it protected the treasures within, but it also protected the people of Israelite, the Israelites and the people of Israel from judgment of the law. It brought to the forefront the God that was a God of mercy, slow to anger, and yet righteous. And God at this point was teaching them his law. In the Ark of the Covenant, there was also um, you know, accounts that were written by Moses of details that God gave him. It's difficult to think about the hardships the people went through in the desert, and some were condemned to die for their disobedience. But it's also difficult because of our Western sensibilities to hear about death and destruction when we read the Bible. But do we remember that these people were freed from slavery? They saw a miracle of the parting of the Red Sea, among other miracles. They saw manna, which they picked from the dew in the morning, and then they were fed quail at night. These people were rebellious. These people continued to complain. These people were made to wander in a desert when there was a direct route into the promised land because of their disobedience and rebellion. They had to continue to wander. There was probably a much more direct route, right, to the promised land, but because they were evil in their ways and so thick-headed and stubborn that only their descendants were able to see this promised land. Even Moses, who had been steadfast, sins and is kept from this land. It's as if God has a plan A to bless us, but we opt for plan B or C because of our free willed decisions and because of our lack of faith. Just like the people in the desert, God wants us, his people, to flourish. God wants to bless us. But just like the people of Israel, often we have so much we need to unlearn. The people of Israel lived in Egypt and took to their ways. We basically live in what's a Sodom and Gomorrah today. Our world has turned upside down, and we have to focus on what is important, true, and right. From their time in Egypt, the Israelites learned about types of sacrifice. This was a people that had participated in pagan worship, which included child and human sacrifice. Yet God was teaching them a new way. He was teaching them that sin could not go uncorrected, and there had to be atonement. Yet it was explained by, first of all, giving them the commandments for which they should follow, and we have today. They had a day of atonement where their sins would be presented before the Lord in an animal sacrifice along with specific things they did. Instead of human, God taught them animal sacrifices for the atonement of sins. These sacrifices were a way for the sin to be removed. This was a foreshadowing of Christ, his atonement as a perfect sacrifice for our sins, the removal of sin, and therefore, mercy. Christ shed his blood for us. Today in Judaism, the Day of Atonement, known as Yom Kippur, is the holiest of days. It is a time of repentance, and there is a day-long fast and intensive prayer. In Christianity, we know that Christ, by his love and mercy, took on our sins and died for us. This man who was sinless, this Lamb of God, took on our sins 
so that the old covenant could be broken and the new could begin. Yet there are so many things in the old covenant we should not discount. They apply to us today. This ties the old and new together in such an amazing way. Both covenants show us God's love and mercy. The covering of sin was a visible sign to the Israelites, and for us the sign is Christ. This is the mercy seat of God. In Romans, Paul was telling the people in Romans three twenty-four through 25 They are now justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a sacrifice of atonement by his blood. Effective through faith, he did this to show his righteousness because of his divine forbearance. He has passed over the sins previously committed. Jesus was the fulfillment of prophecy, but also the covering from sin. Just like the mercy seat was a cover of the Ark of the Covenant, Jesus is the covering for sin. We may not even think of it that way, and that's so amazing when we think about it. It is our faith and our belief that we are set free, and God is mercy, but he's always just. There cannot be mercy without justice, and there cannot be true justice without mercy. John eight thirty one through 32 states, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Our response is our faith, our belief, and how we live our lives. When we sin, where do we turn? We turn to Christ and ask for forgiveness. 1 John 2 verse 1 states, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Think about this, friends. Shouldn't we want to live sin behind? I've been praying a prayer each evening, and these are the words I pray that resonate with me. And I quote, You are the strength and the light of my soul. In you I live and move and am. I desire never to grieve you by unfaithfulness to grace, and I pray with all my heart to be kept from the smallest sin against you. Think about that. We don't want the Lord to grieve by unfaithfulness to grace, understanding that God is that mercy seat. How I desire this, to keep myself from sin, to keep myself pure and holy, but I can do none of this without the Lord. Frequent attendance of Mass and Communion and frequent prayer and time to listen to the Lord. The prayer continues on with the plea to the Lord to help me to follow His gracious inspirations and to keep me free from sin. 1 John 4 verse 10 states, In this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us, and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. If we follow the Lord, we will receive mercy, but this comes with justice. The sacrifice of Christ was merciful for humankind. Without his ultimate sacrifice, we would be an eternal sin. How can we ever thank the Lord for that? 
This week, pray that the Lord keeps you from sin, for that connection to God, that relationship, that is real and tangible, and that allows us to avoid those things that are harmful to our immortal soul. May the Lord continue to bless you. Pray for me as I pray for you. Amen. Thanks for listening to the podcast, A Few Minutes with God. Please visit Fleece on our website, afewminuteswithgod.com, and your podcast page on afewminuteswithgodpodcast.com. There you will find the show notes for today's episode. This podcast is a production of the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network.